Everyone has a story. Stories of adversity, stories of perseverance, stories of accomplishments, and maybe even stories that will make others laugh. No matter the story, we can be inspired and motivated by them. Most of all, we can learn from them. This is the Big Peach Ride Run Podcast, hosted by me, Dave D2 Martinez, and I want to hear your story. And welcome to the Big Peach Ride Run Podcast. And yes, I am your host, D2. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's been a while, uh, since we've, uh, had an episode and I do apologize for that, but, uh, things have been a bit busy and I found myself, uh, feeling a little overwhelmed trying to, uh, find guests, book guests, interview guests, uh, interview them, turn around, edit the, uh, episodes, uh, at the, all at the same time while having my other uh, responsibilities of being, uh, the marketing director for Big Peach Running Company. And, you know, so we took a break and, you know, now I, yeah, I feel that, you know, we've got, we get contacted quite a bit by people that want to be on the podcast, but most of the time they are in it for self-promotion. And I do not want this podcast to be anything, uh, that is going to seem like we're trying to sell you something, advertise something, or promote someone else that is in no way connected. We make, you know, the podcast makes no money from any of the guests. We do this for free. It is something that I take on additionally um, onto my responsibilities, and I do it as a way, uh, you know, to help to inspire those of you that are listening, to inform you, to uh, motivate you, and, uh, and, and, and hopefully, you know, uh, inspire you to achieve new goals, set new goals, uh, and aspire to be better than, uh, you are today and do things in the future, um, through either my stories or the stories of guests that I have, um, that, uh, will provide that information for you. So, you know, I, I'm not going to put on people that are just conting, contacting me to, because they want to talk about how to diet, how to lose weight or promote the latest fad or something like that. So that's not going to happen. So going forward, as I run into individuals um, that either have um, some information that I think will be of value to our listeners or a inspirational type of story that I think that you will uh, be able to find, uh, you know, that you'll be able to relate to, that you'll be able to find inspiration, that'll be able to uh, motivate you, then those are the individuals that will be, uh, I'll have on the, on the podcast. So um, I appreciate all of you that have subscribed. I hope you continue to subscribe, but know that it is not going to be on a regular cadence as we've had in the past. So, um, you know, that being said, you know, the episode today, you know, is came about for the, the reasons that I've mentioned, because it is information that I feel is relevant to this time period. Um, I feel like right now it is marathon season. We are at this point um, five weeks away from the Chicago Marathon, nine weeks away from the New York City Marathon. And, you know, I happen to get into New York and, you know, have, I'm going through the training and trying to, you know, probably doing a lot of the same things that many of you are, if you're training for a, a fall and winter marathon is trying to balance and juggle everything that you need to do. Um, any commitments that you have personal, professional, um, in order to get that training in, but also trying to remind, um, you know, myself and trying to help you remind yourselves that, you know, some things that maybe we know, maybe we don't know, maybe you're brand new to your first marathon and this is brand new information. Maybe you've done a few, um, and it's just a refresher of things to consider, things to, to do, things to, you know, that you should be doing in preparation for a great experience at that marathon. Um, and, you know, especially if you're a first timer, you know, it should be that it should be a great experience. You know, it, you know, do not go out there trying to, um, achieve a, a specific time. You should be able to take all that in. And that's sort of kind of what I'm going into with New York. It's been several years since I've done a marathon. I've done several, I've done two trail marathons this year, but the courses have been very different. Um, some at elevation in Colorado, some here in, you know, in Georgia 
And it was just about getting the training in and experiencing, you know, those new environments. And for me, New York's going to be the same. And I'm trying to balance that you know, with, you know, trying to achieve a, a specific time or beat a time um, with enjoying the experience. This is going to be my first major marathon in a large city. And everything that I've uh, been told is that it is quite the experience to have the streets lined with that many people cheering you on. You know, I want to be able to take that in. And I was born in uh, Queens in, in New York, and I haven't been back probably in about 30 years. So to experience, to run through the boroughs, to see those sites, to, you know, visit those parts of, uh, of, you know, of our country that, you know, I haven't been to previously, that's the reason why I run. That's the reason I want to experience that on foot. And I want to be able to, you know, visit New York to, I'm staying in Manhattan, you know, probably about a mile and a half from Central Park and, and from the finish line. And so to be able to walk around uh, the streets down there, to uh, visit the city as a tourist, to visit the sites there, um, I, am, I am making plans to hit specific uh, spots. So the September 11th Memorial and uh, a couple other places there, you know, obviously Rockefeller Center and, and any of those areas. And, uh, you know, one of the things that ever since I became a runner, and part of my bucket list is to run around Central Park. I would love to go out there and experience what it's like to run in Central Park. Just these little things that I want to kind of check off the you know the bucket list and to make it an, an enjoyable experience. So for me to do that, I'm training to make sure that I you know am able to finish, finish strong, and not have a miserable experience. To take that experience to be able to absorb the energy from the people to absorb. Um, and to see the sights, to experience the views uh, of, 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 you know, that marathon and, uh, and sort of kind of fall in love with the city um, because it's been so long since I've been there. And, uh, you know, I've only seen it through, you know, television and movies and it's, it, and it just seems like it's a unique, uh, you know, a unique city. And, uh, and I want to experience that as an adult because I saw it as a kid and, uh, and it's just so different, I think. And so, with that, you kind of brought this idea of how do we prepare for, for a marathon? How, what should we be looking at? What should we be thinking about in preparation to have that great experience? And I got connected with um, Tia Pettigrew, who is a level two RCA certified run coach. And it came about through a connection that I had, once again, as in, you know, meeting different people. Um, Vanessa Peralta Mitchell, who is with Game Changers and, you know, her program, we'll talk a little bit more about that and get into detail, but, you know, she has a program that is to get more women of color and, you know, to be certified run coaches and to put them in positions within this industry to help grow it, to be, to change things and to be a part of a leader, uh, to be a leader in this community, in the ring community, in, in coaching and racing and, and everything else. So there's better representation. And so I, I felt, you know, that that was important and, um, something that has been, you know, uh, uh, top of mind over the last few years, uh, you know, especially in, you know, 2020, um, with the social unrest and representation. So I was like, let's take this opportunity to talk to someone, give someone a platform to, you know, uh, show a little bit about what this program is about, how they benefit from it, but at the same time, sort of kind of dive into the meat of, you know, what you guys would probably really want to know is, um, you know, these things that we should consider when doing a, you know, training for a, a marathon. So whether you've got a marathon you're doing, you know, this year, next year, or maybe you haven't even considered it. Maybe it's something that's sort of kind of the back of your mind. Hopefully this information you'll find very useful and hopefully sways you to maybe make that, uh, you know, leap of faith uh, and and sign up for that distance. But regardless of whether you decide to do a marathon or not, you're welcome on this podcast, on this journey, and we welcome all runners. So sit back, enjoy, and we'll be right back after this break. At Big Peach Running Company, we take pride in listening to your needs. We take into account the shape of your feet, 
previous injuries, and activity level to guide you to comfortable shoes for your feet. Whether you're a runner, walker, fitness enthusiast, or simply need comfortable shoes to wear, we offer the best customer experience in the friendliest environment. It's no wonder we've been voted one of the best running stores in America by our fans. Visit any of our nine Big Peach Running Company locations for a free fit assessment and video gate analysis. Go to BigPeachRunningCompany.com to learn more. And welcome back, everyone. So I am joined today um, by Tia Pettigrew, a uh, Level 2 uh, Roadrunners Club of America certified run coach. And, you know, uh, we got introduced um, through uh, someone uh, that I had a conversation with, Vanessa Peralta Mitchell, with Game Changers. And Game Changers is a program that aims to bring in more women of color uh, as certified run coaches to redefine the expert and leaders in the run in industry, and it's to provide resources and funds so women of color can bring in a wave of change to run leadership and encourages women of color to apply who are ready to boldly change the game. So um, that's who we have here with us. He went through the program, and that's how we got introduced. Uh, you know, this way there's more representation of um, of, of women, of diversity within this sport. And that's something that is good, I think, for, for everyone, for the sport, for the community. And so I'm uh, you know, uh, happy to have you uh, with us, Tia. Thank you. Happy to be here. So tell us a bit about um, how you got started running and how you got connected with Game Changers. So I started running initially in the mid-90s. And I was working for a commercial real estate company and my boss and a couple of people, they would go run on the lunch hour every, every day. One day they invited me. So I've never ran before. So I went and I enjoyed it. So I really enjoyed the fact that after the run, we had a gym and shower in the building and then we'd have lunch. So I ended up having a two hour lunch. So I really liked that part. Uh, so just having that long lunch. So I did, I, you know, I enjoyed it. And I'm one of those people, I kind of take the reins of something. So I saw this 5K coming up and I said, you know, let's all do it. So I got seven people in the office and we all ran this 5K. That was my first race in uh, probably September of 1995 or so. And ran a few more 5Ks. And then in 90, February 96, I ran a 15K, the Gasparilla 15K here in Tampa and didn't run again for 13 years. <laughs> so just life got in the way. I let life get in the way. And then December 2008, my husband and I were on a cruise and we ran into someone that I hadn't seen in a few years. And this is what she said. She said, Tia, I almost didn't recognize you. You gained so much weight. And evidently that was what I needed to hear at the time. So as soon as I got back, I registered for that same 15K that I ran in 1996, trained, found some training plan online, ran it and actually found that I enjoyed it. And in November of that year, I ran my first half with team and training and I really, I enjoyed the running. And one year from the date of that 15K in 2009, I ran my first marathon in February, 2010. And I just kind of, I just fell in love with it. Well, that's awesome. I know that there's many uh, listeners, including myself, that have taken a break from running. I think I went 10 years um, without running. Um, didn't know much about it. Uh, you know, I knew that you had to train for it, but never really followed a training program or a training plan. Or if I did, I just didn't, wasn't consistent with it. Um, I wasn't doing it for the right reasons. Um, I wasn't doing it for me. I was doing it because my friends were doing it. And, you know, I think those are things that, you know, you have to, you know, um, if you're doing anything like this, you have to do it for the right reasons. Um, you have to enjoy it. And right. that was something at the time that I didn't really find joy in. And so I think that's, you know, something that a lot of people probably can, can um, relate to. And uh, so it's interesting that, th that you started uh, very similar. So at what point then did you decide that you wanted to be a coach and then um, connect with Game Changers? So I decided in 2011, I had actually probably in 2010, I signed up for, I can't, I'm trying to think of the company, Metabolife, I think it was or something. And they were asking me for people to coach a couch to 5k program. You didn't have to be a coach. It was just something they sent you merchandise and paid for it in this registration. So I found five friends and signed them all up and I just followed what they gave me. And I enjoyed doing that. So I had a few friends that wanted to run their first half marathon. So I said, well, I'll help you along. And just kind of using 
what I had used for my first half and that, and they all, I think there were about five or six of them. They all finished their first half in April, 2011. And I just found, I just enjoyed providing that kind of guidance. So then, so I was part of Black Girls Run, their Tampa chapter, and I just started kind of offering, hey, you know, I'm going to do this. If any, Does anyone want to do their first half? I'm happy to give some guidance. And next thing you know, I would have a few more people and a few more people. And I was just enjoying it. We just created a big Facebook group and I put a plan in there. And in 2013, I thought there must be some kind of certification I can get to do this, <laughs> you, know, you know, be legit. And because I was, you know, more and more people were asking me. So that was when I got my USETF certification. And then later on that year in August, 2013, I, I got the RRCA. And so that was when I kind of actually started as a business where I started doing that. And I connected with Vanessa probably about a little over three years ago when they were launched, when she was launching Game Changers, she posted in the RRCA Facebook page. And I saw that and I had really been looking for a way to give back and just, you know, just to, you know, be of help in the running community. And I thought this, that would be a good way to do it. So that's how I got connected with Vanessa. So I'm going into my, I think, I guess my fourth year as a game changer. Awesome. And so you're helping others and maybe even serving as a mentor to those that are just now getting into the certification and learning more about coaching and training. Exactly. So teaching them more, answering questions on the coaching side, how to actually have it as a business. So I, I really enjoy that. And that's one of those things that I did find interesting about, you know, the program with Game Changers is that, you know, anyone can easily go to the RRCA and go through that certification process. But what they don't do then is sort of kind of guide you or teach you or mentor you into how do you take that certification and make that into a business? You know, exactly. how do you do that to be successful? What tools do you need? Um, what skills do you need? And, and how do you go about doing that to build that as, as a successful business? So I did find that to be interesting with what Vanessa's doing with Game Changers in trying to you know, elevate women in the sport, putting them in a position of leaders um, within the sport to, you know, influence and change others' lives through that certification and influence them in this lifestyle and, and in the sport. So I um, was very impressed by that. And that's why, you know, when Vanessa and I, and I kind of connected and I know that, you know, Vanessa will be in town here for a, uh, for a race, a half marathon called The Race. Um, I'll be there. Awesome. Great. Uh, maybe I'll see you down there and we'll connect in person. Um, awesome. But, uh, yeah, they're using that as an opportunity to um, bring the team together, bring everyone together. And, uh, and so that's how we got connected um, because we are uh, a sponsor of that race. And um, so we started brainstorming. It's like, well, what can we do to help? And so getting the word out was part of it. And I know that there's an application um, currently that's open for anyone that's interested right now. Uh, it is only open for a short window. I think September 10th is the closing. Right. So, yeah, yeah, so by the time the, this episode airs, it'll probably be like a week um, uh, of, of time. So if you're listening to this and you are interested, you're going to ha have to hop on it. So... I'll give the 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 uh, the website. It's vcpm.com slash game hyphen changers. Um, and you'll go there to learn more about it. And if you're interested, then, you know, get the information there and uh, apply um, to be one of these uh, individuals. Because if you're if you get accepted, the program provides all the resources and the funds to get certified, the mentorship, and they'll uh, kind of, you know, so this could be a career change for someone that's just looking to like switch careers um, to do something different. And uh, so I, I was really impressed with Vanessa and the work that she's doing. So yeah, want to make sure and, that and the nice thing is about the game changers, they don't have to look at it as a new career. It can, it's okay if it's going to be a side hustle. Mm -hmm. You know, if even if someone just says they may have a few people, some friends they want to help, but just knowing that that opportunity is out there. So I, I just encourage anyone that has been looking at wanting to get certified in coaching that they should apply. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's a great thing to kind of point out. So I want to make sure we gave, you know, uh, Vanessa and the work that she's doing a plug and how you're affiliated, but yes, Vanessa is amazing. Yes. I have to say that yes, <laughs> she, she is, is so amazing. 
But you are too. I mean, uh, you know, looking at, at, at your credentials here, you've done 161 and a half marathons and 11 marathons. And you, as before we started uh, and, and turn on the mics, we talked about, and you've got two more you know, marathons scheduled for next year. And so let's dive in with your experience to talk about, you know, training, uh, because right now, you know, as we're recording this, we are five weeks out from Chicago, nine weeks from New York. I'm doing New York this year, and it was one of the things that came a bit of a surprise because I I I I got in through some connections, and I didn't. And I only found out about it. I think it was like in late June. So all of a sudden, and I had all these other races and other things on my calendar. I'm like, how do I squeeze this in? So my training is not going to look conventional in any means, and I'm not going to compare it to any other training, but. Um, I know that, you know, most marathon programs are about 16 weeks long. And at this point, you know, we're talking to individuals that, you know, are doing their first marathon. You know, maybe this is their second one and looking to improve. So, you know, what kind of advice would you give someone who's doing their first marathon, whether Chicago, New York, or something later this year or maybe early next year? What kind of advice would you give to someone that is, taking that point and saying, I'm doing my first 26.2. I would say one of the first thing is if it's their first marathon, they really should probably allow at least 20 weeks of training. And obviously it depends on where they're building up from. I've had some people that it's been 24 weeks just because they wanted to really lay that base from the lower miles. So just allowing that time. But I think for first time, I think 20 weeks is a really good time frame. It can be done in 16 though. But the biggest advice, because people will ask me, what's the best advice you can give when training for a marathon? Is embrace the easy runs. Most people are running their easy runs too fast. And that's, if you look at these elite runners, the ones that win the races, they might run the race at a five or under, even under a five minute mile, but they're doing training runs sometimes at eight. And I see people that are, that would run a marathon at let's say 10 and they're doing their training runs at 10. (laughs) So so it really is, you have to embrace that easy run because the easy run really is the foundation for any marathon training plan. So it allows you to run those easy runs easy. So when you do have the hard run, you can run those hard. So that's probably my biggest piece of advice. Well, uh, yeah, I'm glad you, you mentioned the, the, the longer time period because that's something that I've thought about as well. And I don't have any coaching type of experience, but I've done four marathons and I have always felt going into, you know, my marathon, I wish I had done a couple extra weeks. I wish I had an extra, you know, two to four weeks of training because it seems like it's, I, I just, I don't have the confidence, um, and, you know, you know, going into the marathon that I've done enough work. Um, and, you know, my, my base has been, you know, very different where I've done, you know, you've done seasons where I've done short, you know, five and 10 K races. And all of a sudden I'm jumping up to, to a marathon and I've done other times where I've done, you know, 50 Ks and, you know, and maybe I'm jumping into, uh, you know, a marathon. And it's one of those things where I just feel like even at those different extreme levels, mm-hmm. there's, I feel like there's, you need a little bit of extra preparation or something to give you that confidence. And I think as a beginner, I would agree with you and, and, and I would encourage everyone to maybe start a little bit earlier than whatever the training plan is. So I'm glad, I'm glad you said that because that's one of the things that I've felt that has, not only is it the confidence that I haven't had, but then mm-hmm. the results sort of right. show that as well that I wasn't quite prepared. It was harder than I expected, you know, or, you know, I wasn't prepared for it. Maybe because I didn't do the easy runs easy. Um, So there's a couple of things like that that I I think, uh, you know, uh, would would definitely help with that extra time. So what are, for anyone that's currently doing a training plan right now, you know, I think we make a lot of those mistakes. And you said one of them was the easy runs, right? Not running them easy. But are there right. other common mistakes that are that individuals make during that training, especially the beginners? I would say making sure that you're fueling properly. You know, a lot of people, I'll get people that they've run 5Ks and half marathons. And they're like, oh, I don't need anything and I'm fine. Well, the marathon is a different animal and your body can only do so much. So your body is not built to run 
you know, 16, 18, 20 miles on nothing or virtually nothing. So making sure your fuel is on point, because most people, when they hit that proverbial wall, it's usually because of fueling, improper fueling. So, you know, I'll tell people, I said, every 45 to 60 minutes, fuel. And some people, they'll do the traditional, whether they're gels or chews. Some people want to eat natural. And, I'm, you know, if they want to have figs or dates, whatever that is, if you want to do things like that, that's fine. Just make sure you're eating enough of it. So I'll give them, here's a, here's a goo package. You don't need to eat the goo, but I need you to match these calories and you know, the what's in there. I need you to have enough each time. And people that have started where maybe they didn't eat anything before their run. And again, this is for, you know, long runs. Once they change now eating something, they can tell the difference immediately uh, from energy, um, what they're having. So just making sure you're fueling properly. And when you go out for that long run, take one extra of whatever it is, because what if you lose one or for whatever reason you're out there longer, you just want to set yourself up for success. Yeah, I mean, I, I that's one of the things that I think that I did in my first, I would, I would say even my first, second, maybe even third marathon was that I would go out for my long runs and I might do loops and maybe have some water or something like that, but I never really had gels really on them. Like it's like, I'll, I'll save, I'll save them for race day, or maybe I'll do the, my last long run, you know, on the training plan. That's when I'll use the gels. So, right. I, yeah. And so, you know, I think not only is it the, the getting used to, you know, the nutrition, right. You want to experiment and use that during your training so that you're confident that it works because that's the possibility, you know, that's always a possibility, right. Is that, you know, just because there's a, a goo or some other type of gel, you know, and there's a lot out there because it works for one individual doesn't mean it's going to work for everyone. Everyone has different sort of, you know, tastes and preferences and the consistency sometimes of the gels, you know, are, you know, hard to take in as well. I know that I remember doing a, you know, a half marathon in November and the temperatures were like, you know, in the thirties and guess what happens to a goo? It freezes. <laughs> it freezes. It gets, and you can't take it. So you then you're like, okay, well, I've got to run with it in my hand, in my glove to warm it up. And now how long is that going to take? That's going to take an extra, you know, five, 10 minutes. Right. And now you're probably stretching where you needed that to take that gel. And you're now behind by those minutes. So right. um, experimenting with all that, I think is, 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 is definitely a, a good uh, thing. And, and not only that, but I mean, it's also affects recovery, right? Right. And, you know, back to what you were saying is I tell people every long run is practice for race day. So like you were saying, experience, if you're, if you haven't found something that worked for you, if this is new, then, you know, get a bunch of, get a bunch of things, find out what the race is using, try that. Um, and, you know, if you can find out early enough, but practice to see, because make sure you don't have GI issues. Cause like you said, what works for someone may not work for someone else's GI system as well. So, and then as soon as you're done, I tell people, make sure you get some protein in you, you know, within about 30 minutes of the run with, for women, it's most important within 30 minutes, men can go about an hour, but making sure that you ha either have something in your car, if you've driven or something just that's ready for you to have for that recovery. Okay. Yeah. That's that. Yeah. That's definitely important. I think, um, I know that I'm starting to be a bit more, I, I, I'm not good at the, the protein within the first hour. You know, typically it's sometime during the day. You know, I think today I was a little bit better. I, I ran 14 a day this morning. And so, you know, came home, ate breakfast, you know, some oatmeal and some coffee. And then, you know, an, about an hour after that, I had a protein drink, a recovery shake. So I'm trying to do better at it because that's the part that I feel is, is that recovery is right. that I'm not recovering enough that I'm doing my next run or my next training session isn't, I'm not feeling as strong as I was maybe two days before. Yeah. And that, I think that's, you know, again, a benefit of when you have a coach, you know, I know what they're doing. So that's one thing when I'm both right before they have a long run, it's like, okay, here's preparation for the long run. Don't forget to do this. And then checking. So it's not just about, did you run, but how did things go with fueling? How does your hydration, you know, afterwards? So making sure those things are on point. 
So let's talk about some of the specifics because we've talked about, and I know everyone talks about nutrition and what are some things, because, you know, it's, it's can be fairly easy if you're like, oh, well, I'm just going to park the car here. I'm just going to do loops and I'm just going to come back and, you know, grab nutrition or grab water, you know, that's not going to happen on race day unless you're relying on what's on course. And even then what's on course may not be at the intervals that you need to take them. Right. So if someone's going to be carrying their nutrition or anything else that they're going to need, whether it's, you know, something more, you know, like chews or, you know, um, gels yes. or liquids, or, you know, or, you know um, what are some things that, you know, they start thinking about right now as far as things that they either need to get in order to carry that with them or, you know, tips or tricks for them to, you know, carry that with them on their long runs, practice with it and then use it on race day. Yeah. I mean, having some type of a fuel belt that has, cause they make a lot of the belts now. Like I, I love the Fit, Fitletic and the Go Run brand um, for the belts, but they, they, a lot of them will have pockets where you can stash a goo or, you know, some blocks or something like that. They have little places where you can just, you know, there's like a little elastic thing where you can put it in there. Um, you know, I wear, I love Boulder athletic. They have shirt shorts, skirts, that have huge pockets. So, you know, I won't do a half or a full marathon outside of wearing a boulder skirt because I know I've got enough room to carry everything. So I don't have to wear a belt uh, anymore when I, you know, when I do a race, but I ask people like when in my questionnaire, when they're starting, I ask them what they use for hydration. What do they use? To, how do they carry their hydration? So I, I want to know what they have or don't have, because if they're newer, they probably don't have anything. And I'm a big believer in they don't need to go out and spend a ton of money on things. So like the go run belt is 20 bucks for a really great belt um, that carries things. So it's got a lot of room for the phone and everything. But again, once we start with those long runs, that's when we're having that conversation about preparing to make sure you're carrying something. Yeah, I think, you know, like you said, there's several different brands um, that make different type of belts. Um, some of them are like buckles or snaps and mm -hmm. zippers. Some of them are just pockets that are just very stretchy. I've seen one piece. I have one from one company that's a, like a one piece and it just has like these mesh pockets all the way around. Um, and then um, even like shorts, you know, mm -hmm. uh, like you said, a, a skirt. You know, one of my favorite shorts is the FKT um, from rabbit, you know, it, uh, I love rabbit. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, you know, and, and I know they make them for women as well, but they have, you know, t uh, a phone pocket in the back, a large pocket, zipper pocket in the back. So you can put a phone and then they've got two, uh, a pocket on each side with, I think two little, uh, pockets there. So a total of four pockets where you can easily stash, you know, gels, keys, credit cards, you know, and so, you know, having that type of gear allows you to carry what you need um, and be prepared without, you know, making a huge investment, especially if you're like, well, I'm already going to wear shorts. I might as well buy shorts that have what you need and use that for right. your long runs, use it on race day. So um, that's, yeah, that's, that, that, I think those are, those are great, um, you know, uh, things to kind of point out in preparation. Because I think a lot of people don't, really think about that until maybe the week of, or sometimes even at the expo, they're like, ah, oh, how am I going to carry all this? You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I think for me, I've been doing more of the liquid nutrition. I'm, I'm running with a, uh, with tailwind right now, um, a okay. bottle, you know, I wear a hydration pack with, uh, water on in one bottle and tailwind on the other. So now I'm trying to figure out, I was like, okay, well, how do I run with this, you know, during a marathon? Cause some, that's the, that's kind of the challenging thing about the liquid yeah. uh, things is, you know, how do you run with it? And do you want to take the time to stop and mix, mix your drink, you know, that kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. Because I know that, that, uh, some races and I'll have to find out about New York, they don't allow packs of any, any, of any mm -hmm. kind. So, you know, do you carry, you know, a handheld water bottle? And for me, that messes with my arm swing and I don't like having Having that it, it it makes my arms tired after a certain uh, you know you know imagine carrying you know you know 16 ounces yeah. you know even though you're drinking you're probably refilling it but you're still having to swing you know 16 ounces uh you know in one hand or maybe both hands mm -hmm. um, That's yeah but at the same time I'm, I'm also not a fan of packs especially in the summer 
because it's just, there's not that ventilation. You tend to sweat a little bit more. It's a, a little bit hotter. Um, so, um, so yeah, those, these are all challenges. And I think things that during training, I think it's okay, but I think I am going to have to start figuring out, uh, you know, as we get a little bit closer, I'm like, all right, what do I, what am I going to need? Am I going to switch to gels? Am I going to carry a bottle? Do I, am I, do, am I going to do a mix of things? So, um, I think these, like I said, these are all questions that we should all be asking ourselves during right. training and then trying to figure out what that solution is before we ever get to race day. Yeah. I used for my most recent marathon, I had switched to, you can, and what I liked about it was you don't have to chase it with water because the consistency is so thin, mm -hmm. um, versus a lot of the traditional gels are very thick. So you have to chase it with water. So it's got to be timed with that water stop. So I like the UCAN or SIS science and sport those because their consistency is so thin. The flavor is it's muted flavor. So they have flavors, but they're not really strong and they seem to be pretty good on the digestive system as well. Yeah. I've, I've done a couple half marathons with Morton, um, which mm -hmm. I think is the same thing. Is that Berlin? Yep. You don't mm -hmm. need water. Um, it, I think it's already has something in it that's already kind of thin. It's almost like a gel. It's like I'm a, ge a gelatin. It's yes. not a gel. It's like a gelatin. Like a gelatin, yeah. And so it, and it, I haven't had any issues with it. It seems to work very well. And uh, so that would probably be my default, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, race day type of nutrition. But I'm gonna have to start experimenting with that here pretty soon if I'm switching. I will give you an, a really good tip um, that was given to me in my level two RRC RRC RRCA class. Uh, one of the instructors says she always runs with a straw and she keeps a straw in her pocket. So for a new marathoner, they it may not be that big of a deal to run through a water stop. OK, mm -hmm. but for some people that do want to run through the water stop, it allows them to just grab the straw, put it in the cup. And it's so much easier to just mm. drink it from the straw than trying to squeeze the cup and drink. So I thought that was brilliant. There, yeah, and there is a bit of an art to that because I know, you know, and at 5Ks, 10Ks, at any distance, I've done it and have typically, um, if I don't squeeze a cup, if I don't get it in right, and you're running and it's bouncing around, I end up with water up my nose. Right. So there is a there is a little bit of an art to it, and uh, so yeah, you gotta you gotta pinch that cup and 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 try to get it from splashing and, and, and making a hole just big enough to where your mouth can go around it and, and then, right. and then suck it down. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. But I do always recommend for, especially first time marathoners, do not skip a water station, <laughs> you know, yeah. use that as your walk breaks. If you're not doing the run walk, if you're running straight, use that as your walk breaks. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've done that before. And I think that's a great tip is, is to use the, 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 the water stops and just kind of, you know, um, walk through them. That way you can take it in. You don't right. have to worry about, you know, you know, splashing it or, or dropping it in or it going up your nose. Um, and yeah, I've, I've done that in the past. I think the last time I did like a half marathon, I was like, I was feeling so strong. And I was like, I, and I was like, Nope, I'm like this last one. I'm like, I'm going to skip it. I'm going to catch the next guy ahead of me. And he, I mean, I was like, that was like probably the last five miles or so or last four miles. And yep, sure enough, that last mile, all of a sudden it's like started slowing down. Like, oh man, if I could go back and just take that gel, you know, uh, you know, a right. mile back, you know, a couple miles back, you know, I would have had a, a much faster. I would have had a PR time on that half marathon. Yeah. And like in March, you know, I ran my marathon. I qualified for Boston there and I walked every single water stop. And I could look back and say, you know, I could have had a better time if I had run, but maybe I wouldn't have because I wish I would have had that, you know, would have walked that water stop for that recovery. But I walked every single one. So I'm a big believer in that. Yep. No, that's yeah. I mean, and there's a lot of training plans out there that do that run walk. And in some instances is, you know, finish faster than those are just running the entire time because you may be running the entire time, but you started too fast to begin with. And then you start slowing down, slowing down, slowing down to where you end up, you know, the, the run walkers start catching up to you and then passing you. Yes. I've paced over 50 half marathons. And every time I pace using the Galloway method, we always pick up people towards the end. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah, I think that's, so I think that's one of those mistakes. And I, Cause I would say, you know, um, one of the common mistakes that I, I, I you know, I was going to ask you is like, what, you know, as far as we already went over as far as during training, 
but what about on race day? And I think that going out too fast is probably the, the most common mistake. Any others that you would uh, say that people make on race day? Um, mistakes. I mean, we've all heard don't do anything new on race day. So that's where I go to making sure every long run is practice. What you eat the night before, what you have the morning of, those things, what you're wearing, whatever you plan on wearing for the marathon, try it out on a run, you know, those things. So making sure that everything has been tried and tested for race day and just, you know, making sure that it works for you. So, you know, another thing is, like I said, without not running those easy runs too fast, but also we've also, most people know the rule of thumb, don't jump your mileage more than 10%. And you'll have someone like someone just asked me, she just ran 16 miles and she's got her 20 miler in a few weeks. And because of scheduling, oh, is it okay if I run my 20 miles this week? No, it's not. <laughs> it's just not. So, so knowing, you know, you got to, you know, have, have to pull back and build that mileage, not jump too fast because that's how you risk injury. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm guilty of that. I, I have done that many times. Some of it is because of scheduling. Most of the time is because I either skip some, some sessions and thought I was going, I'm going to make it up. Or I lost track of time, didn't look at the calendar. I'm like, oh, I'm like, I, I, training, I, I missed like two, three weeks of training. I need to jump on this. Let me make up some mileage. I've been lucky to, and it's probably because I've been running now for so long and consistently that I haven't mm -hmm. um, had any injuries. But every once in a while, I get that little niggle, something uh, that just doesn't feel quite right. And I'm like, okay, I got to, I got to back off. And so, yeah. Um, I've done some of that even earlier this year where I was ramping up, um, because I did do, um, a couple of trail marathons and, you know, trail marathons are, I would say are, are a bit different, um, in the, than, than your road race marathons. And the reason I say that is, you know, trail marathons, it's almost expected like you're going to walk, you right. know, you're like, oh, here's a climb and everyone's walking, you know, and it's acceptable. On road marathons, it seems like if you're if you tend to walk, it's you know you feel like you're being judged, or people are like, "Oh man, that person's having a bad day." Like all those right, thoughts. Right, everyone's kind of real saying, "Come on, you can do it, you can do it." <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So you know, so you know, and uh, so when I was training for trail marathons, I did sort of kind of jump you know the mileage up, but I knew that I could walk, and I didn't really have to. Right. run quite as much, you know, in order to do that distance, because for me, it was getting that finish line and it wasn't really based on time, especially when it's a new course and trail marathons, the course varies so much. Um, even though it's still 26.2. And although the first one I did this year, I actually got lost and ended up being 29 miles. Oh, no, <laughs> I went off course. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's like, okay, I'm walking, I'm going to finish, uh, you know, as long as I'm heading in the right direction, I think I'll, I'll finish. Um, and then the second one I did was at elevation. Uh, I, I did it in Leadville and it was, you know, obviously right. over 10,000 know, right. feet. So there's some things where it's like, I don't know what time I'm going to get. I know it's going to be a lot harder. And if I need to walk, I need to walk. Mm -hmm. But typically in road marathons, there seem to be more of a, you know, time goals, you know, and everything's like, oh, well, you, to BQ, to Boston qualify, to do certain things, or I'm, I'm going to measure if I'm successful or not, because I got to hit this time. And oh, I'm huge on I'm from the very beginning of it's someone's first, like, let's just get that out of your head. And I let them know I am going to train you to the best of your ability. But come race day, all I want is for you to cross that finish line and know you gave 100 percent. So it's you know, so it is not because a lot of people will come into it. I want to do this time. You've never done this before. Yep. You don't know if your body is going to let you do that time. So, and you just don't want them to feel like a failure or anything for doing that, you know, if they don't come in at a certain time. So it's all about cross the finish line. Then you can do another one and set a personal best later. <laughs> you know, exactly right. Second. You can't do personal best your first time out. And exactly. I mean, basically your first time is your personal best, whatever that time is, because you have nothing to compare it to. Right. I say it's your baseline. That's yeah. your baseline just yeah. to see you can do it. Now you, now you can do something else to compare it. Yeah. I do think that that is the, 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 the one mistake we all make as we tend to compare ourselves to others. 
to others around us, you know, whether it's through Strava or whatever app you're using or through social media, you look at, oh, well, this person, oh, wow, they ran, you know, X amount of miles this, this past weekend and I'm not running that, I'm not as good or I'm behind in my training or I should be doing that. And maybe sometimes that's why individuals want to ramp up quicker to their moms because they're comparing their training right. program and what they've got doing, you know, with, you know, and you know, to someone else's that may be more advanced, you know, maybe right. they've got more marathons under their belt. Maybe they're a bit faster, you know, uh, and more or they're just different. We're all made so different. It's the crazy thing. Marathoning running is an individual sport. That's kind of the beauty of it. Unless you're an elite, you know, competing for money or something. But that is the beauty. It's it is individual. And, you know, I had someone she ran her first marathon in May, uh, Smithy. And she said she said, it's amazing. All the stories people will tell you about their first marathon. She's, she said, I have to just not listen to them. You know, you just have to do your thing. And, you know, I'll see some people, they'll they'll post. They're looking for someone to run with or a group. They say, I'm really slow. And that's something when someone starts with me, they're not allowed to say that. They can't say that about themselves. I said, because you don't see someone that runs a six minute mile. They never say, I'm really fast. They just, this is what I run. That's what you run. Embrace your pace. So, you know, we're all individuals. And so just embrace that individuality and do the best you, you can. Absolutely. I think that's a great message. Something we need, constantly need to remind ourselves, because I know that that's something I, that I do, uh, even myself, with as many uh, you know uh, miles that I have under my belt. I'm constantly having to remind myself, you know, that same thing. So, one of the things I'm I know I'm also kind of guilty of, and is is incorporating cross training or any type of strength training. Tell us how important that is, and why individuals should be doing that. Strength training is so important. Cross training, I'm okay if someone doesn't do the elliptical or ride a bike on their non-running days, but I do want people to have at least two days of strength training. So whether it's, you know, they can do one, two full body days, one upper, one lower, but it is so important. And people say, well, strength training make me faster. It's going to make you stronger because you need that strength to carry you 26.2 miles. So the stronger you can be, and especially not neglecting your core, my second marathon, I went for time. And I mean, I went all out for time. I didn't do any strength training. I did nothing. And when I finished that marathon, I felt like I'd been in a car accident. My whole rib cage was on fire. I, w- I mean, oh, it was, it was horrible. And so, you know, as they tell people, I said, it takes all of your body to get you to that race. So you need to strengthen it from head to toe. And when you're doing strength training, I have them focus a lot on single leg exercises because that's so important because we have that balance. We're constantly, you know, moving those hips back and forth. So I'm really big on making sure they do hip strengthening early on because most of our lower body injuries happen because of having weak hips. So strength training is crucial to marathon training. So when it comes to that, because I think a lot of people confuse and think of strength training, it's like, well, am I going to bulk up? Am I going to get heavier? So, you know, talk a little bit about, you know, kind of the type of strength training, because maybe people are thinking like, oh, I got to lift heavy weights. Okay. So in 2010, I did do a bodybuilding competition, um, a figure competition. So I, I know my way around the gym and I lifted heavy, heavy, heavy. I could curl at 115 pounds, I could curl, do a concentration dumbbell curl with a 30-pound weight, okay? So I was lifting super heavy, but I was 115 pounds. And so I learned from that on the lifting. So when it came to running, I'm still a big believer in lifting heavy. Doing a lot of little reps, that's, you know, that's fine if someone wants to do it. But they don't, you don't have to do a ton of reps when you lift heavy. And it's really hard to bulk up. You, re, you have to be eating so much and, you know, 300 grams of protein and things like that. You're, and especially for women, you're never going to look like a bodybuilder unless you try to look like a bodybuilder to do that. So I'm a big believer in lifting heavy, you know, six to eight reps is fine. Two to three sets, you know, but go as heavy as you can to have good form. But it, but again, the only way you're going to bulk up, that is part of the diet as well. So bulking up, it ta- just takes a lot more calories than what we do as runners. We burn so many calories during our runs. 
So that kind of offsets that. So it is, it's, it's very hard to really bulk up during training, but on the flip side, Dave, I will say it's also challenging to lose weight during marathon training because I'll have some people, they want a marathon training, like figure they can drop 20 pounds. So it's not as, it's not as easy to do that because again, you're running a lot, but you are going to be eating more. You're going to eat more. So the goal is if we can just keep you where you are, you know, if you can lose a few pounds, that's fine, but it's definitely not designed for any major weight loss either. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's good to know. Yeah. I mean, the, I think, you know, for me, I know the core is important because my form starts breaking down. I tend to bend more at the waist. I tend to look down as I get tired and that affects my stride and everything else. And one of the things I learned on my first marathon is that I experienced uh, IT band you know, issues. Mm-hmm. And it was, I think maybe three weeks before my marathon and I was on one of my long runs and all of a sudden had no issues at all. All of a sudden I started hit, uh, getting pain on the side of mm-hmm. my knee. Didn't really know what it was. Didn't really know how to address it except stretching right? Everyone says, oh, you got to stretch it. You got to stretch, stretch, stretch and get an IT band. And I'm like, okay. And of course on race day, it flared up at mile 16. Mm. And then after that, it just became unbearable, you know? Wow. And after that, I started doing a little bit more research. So I'm like, okay, well, what's the IT band? What are the, how do you address it? And you started looking into it. And I realized that it's all because of weak glutes or an imbalance in your glutes. So a lot of the power comes, you know, from, you know, your glutes, but at the mm-hmm. same time, if one side's imbalanced, then the other side is doing more work. And that's the side that typically, you know, is the one that's going to end up, you know, being damaged, right? Because yeah. where the, where the problem, you know, where the symptom is, where I had the pain, that wasn't the root of the issue. It's further right. up the leg. And what, and so the following year, as I, you know, started back up and you made sure to incorporate, you know, like I said, simple things like, you know, squats, even if it's body weight squats, you know, it's, you start there to build, start building up that strength. And then since then, you know, I haven't had any issues. I actually, because I resolved that issue the following year on the exact same course, I took 20 minutes off my marathon time. Wow. That's awesome. Right. And because it was all because I couldn't mm-hmm. really run. Right. You know, so imagine, you know, having a, you know, stabbing pain on your knee and having to try to run, that's going to slow anyone down. Right. So removing that because of the strength training is going to make for a better experience and then potentially, you know, reduce those chances of injury. Um, and, you know, and, and IIT band is something that can be resolved you know, right. maybe not quickly, but can be, it's preventative. You know, there's other things that can happen as well. Like you said, you know, if you're not strength training and, and, you know, you start building your mileage up, you know, too quickly can easily result in a stress fracture. And now you're sidelined and you can you know, forget your race altogether, especially if you're, it's right in the middle of that training program. Right. So the other thing I'm guilty of, because man, I'm, I'm guilty of so many things and I, you know, and I, I, I think I, I, I am the average runner, you know, I mean, even though I'm like, I work in a running store and I know all this stuff and I preach all this stuff, I am guilty of the stretching, the foam rolling and the massaging. So let's talk about that. Let's reinforce that message. Why should people be doing this during their marathon training? So one of the things before the run, I'm, really big on dynamic stretching or foam rolling. You know, if you have one of those massage guns, those are, those are perfect to warm you up because you've got warm muscles. So in doing that, if you're going to go run a long run, you just get out of bed, put on your clothes and go run, you know, everything is cold and it takes so much longer to warm those muscles up. And so you risk the, you have the risk of damaging those muscles while you're getting warmed up. So why not just take even two to three minutes to just warm up, I have one of those BFFs, those buffs, like it looks like a car buff thing. And I just, I'll just run that all over, you know, for a little bit and it just warms me up to do it, you know, or I, I have a dynamic stretching routine that I like, but it is so important to do that early on before any long run. I mean, even just take one or two minutes, even before every run, just to stretch, just to wake everything up, even, or if some people, they, they'll go for a half mile brisk walk before they start. And I'm fine with that too. But something that just warms things up is so important because you have to realize your muscles are cold. And so it's, you know, you want them to be elastic and stretch. So to do that, you want to warm them up a little bit. 
Yeah, I mean, I think I, I, the one thing I would say I'm good at is doing some form of dynamic stretching before my runs. It's very easy to do. It's like, okay, well, my well, my GPS is getting that signal. You know, let me let me do a couple you know dynamic stretches. For me, it's the part afterwards where it's like, you know, occasionally I may do a little bit after my long run if I feel like the legs are a little bit tight because I know, you know, I'm like, I'm doing a run, I'm jumping in the car and then driving home. And then that getting out from sitting for those 20 minutes or 30 minutes in the car and then getting out, everything tightens up. So I tend to do stretch out a little bit and not just finish my run, jump in the car and go home. I do tend to do a little bit of that, but it's afterwards where I'm like, you know, the caps feel a little bit tight and I'm like, ah, you know, I'm like I'll get around to it and never really do until it's like all of a sudden it's like, Ooh, now I feel that niggle. Now let me go in it and, and massage it. Um, and I know for me personally that when I stretch, if I have a good session where I stretch, you know, not before or after a run, but at home where I take the foam roller or I do the massage gun, and I do that like the day before, the night before a run. And I've done this on races. It's like all of a sudden the legs feel so much fresher. Right. The stride opens up. And all of a sudden it's like you're looking at the time on your watch and your pace. You're like going, ooh, that's kind of faster than what I've been running. You know, mm -hmm. it's because they're not tight. Those things that are tight, those muscle and the tendons that are tight are actually holding you back. Exactly. And then afterwards, you know, like after a marathon or a race, it's so important. You're, you're tired. You've been on your, you've been running for X number of hours. And you just want to sit down, mm -hmm. but the best thing you can do is just walk around for a little bit. Yeah. Same way after a long run, you know, just walk around a little bit before you get in your car, yeah. before you go in, just walk a little bit, let everything kind of calm down a little bit. Yeah. I do tend to do that where, when I, where, I mean, even if it's like a hundred yards or something like that, it's like, I finish, you know, I, I you know, I, I, you know, if I'm doing whatever my mileage is and I see, okay, there's that mileage, stop the watch. And then after that, it's a, okay, let me just slow down to a nice easy jog and then to a walk and then walk, do another lap or, you know, walk around the parking lot until I get to the car, do a little bit of stretching. And I feel that I'm not as tight or sore from those runs because I've done that. Yeah. So... Lastly, let's talk about the one thing, because I do think that a lot of times, a lot of uh, training programs don't really go into this. And I think this is where a coach can really help because we tr tend to train the body, but we don't tend to train the mind for these type of endurance events. So what are some things that you, know, you can suggest or advice you can provide to individuals when they start either getting bored on a long run or they're in that race and all of a sudden they start having doubts or even before the race, they start having doubts, feeling insecure about their training, their performance, how they're going to do, or they get to that point where they start hurting a little bit and they're like, uh, I don't know if I'm going to finish this. And all of a sudden they start getting in their head. What are some things that you can you know, say to individuals to help them overcome those type of mental type of challenges? Well, I think we've all heard the phrase, well, those of us that have run a lot of races, trust your training. So if you've gotten through X number of miles or X amount of time running, you can do a little bit more and you have to lean back and look at the training that you did and look at the successes that you had, where you started, where a lot of people have started. When you see, look at, look how, where your easy run is, was then look where it is now. Look at that improvement that you've had. Look at how you feel now. You know, I'll, I'll go back and I'll have people compare. Let's look at this. Let's look at this distance and how you did. You did this. This is so much better. You've come so far, you know, with this. And so always going back to those successes. So I'm a real I'm big on telling people celebrate everything, every little success that you have celebrate it. So you have that in your bank to go back to, you know, visualize the finish line. I knew when I was trying to qualify for Boston, all I wanted to see on the clock was a three. I didn't care what else it said. I just wanted to see a three something. And that was my visual, you know, for the long run. When I would do those long runs, you know, I'm just visualizing, I, you know, visualizing that clock through the race. I'm visualizing that clock. So have something, if this is your first, you don't need to visualize the clock. You just need to visualize being able to get to the clock at the end, mm -hmm. <laughs> but not specifically a time, but have some kind of a visual, whether it's if you're going to have family at the finish line looking at you. So trust in your training, look back at all the successes that you did have 
and visualize that finish line. Yeah, I think that's that's great advice. I did I did have someone uh, on the podcast uh, earlier in the year, and she does a lot of the mental type of coaching, primarily with more, I won't say elite athletes, but I would say more the intermediate to advanced athlete, you know, especially in triathlon. And, you know, as I spoke to her and, we, and I was telling her about some of the upcoming races, she asked me questions, you know, and she said, you know, it's like, well, what do you think you're going to feel at the end, of, you know, when you cross that finish line? And I think it's like, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to feel happy and I'm going to feel proud of the accomplishment. And she's like, why wait until you cross that finish line? I love that. You should feel that after each and every run. You should feel that joy. You should feel proud of that accomplishment because you did that run. You did that. You know, you were able to do that. And I think that's something that, you know, it's, I needed that as a constant reminder. I always feel pretty good about it, but I never truly actively think and say, yeah, I need it. I, that, that should be a joyful experience and I should feel proud of that regardless of whether it's, you know, whatever mile it is, you know, it's like, oh, it's a, it's a five-mile uh, five run or a 15-mile run. Whatever right. that is, you should feel proud of that because you did the work. And you should right. be proud of putting that work in and getting through that, regardless of how it went, mm-hmm. you got it done, you know? Yes, because I'll have some athletes and they'll they'll put comments after their run, you know, it's something that they didn't feel like it was good. And I'll always find something to let them know what I'm proud of, you know, mm-hmm. for them. That I, look at this, I'm so proud of you that you did this. And so for them to look at it, to turn it, you know, negative into a positive, because my thing is, if you finish a run, it was a good run. Might have been, might not have been the best run or, or, you know, great, but it was, if you finished it, it was a good run. Yeah. Excellent. Tia, thank you so much. And for anyone out there that, you know, is looking for a certified coach and you've already kind of heard Tia and you can kind of judge you know, based on the conversation, what her personality is like and whether she would be a good fit for you or not. Her website is Tia Training in Action, T-I-A Training in Action.com. And if you, you know, like I said, looking for a coach and need help and, you know, whether it's your first marathon, if you're, you're planning to sign up or whether you've already done a few marathons and you're looking for that, you know, extra push, that extra, you know, uh, you know, bit of help to get you to reach to that PR or a boss of qualification, then reach out to Tia Pettigrew and, uh, and let her help you. So thank you, Tia, so much. Thank you so much, Dave. I enjoyed this. I did as well. And some great reminders. Uh, like I said, even for those of us that maybe have a little bit more experience, this is a great conversation to have and a great reminder, especially as I'm going through my own training and getting ready uh, for New York. So thank you so much, Tia. Um, and we'll be right back after this break. Big Pete's now sells bikes at our Brookhaven and Midtown locations. Big Pete's Ride and Run. We help get you into the right bike that fits you and your needs. Many of us enjoy being on two wheels as much as our own two feet. It's not only a great way to stay active and fit, it's also a great way to recover from long runs and have fun. We carry kids, commuter, mountain, gravel, road bikes, and more. No matter what you prefer, with brands like Giant, Live, a division of Giant that makes bikes exclusively for women, and Momentum, We've got whatever bike you're looking for. Stop by and check out the selection of bikes at Town Brookhaven or Midtown, right on Peachtree Street, or view our inventory online at BigPeachRideAndRun.com. And welcome back. Um, well, I hope you guys got a lot from Tia. Um, I think uh, you know she was you know it was a, it provided a lot of great reminders. As I said in the interview, there's a lot of things that I don't do, you know, I think, uh, and I, and I think that's a lot of us where we don't stretch enough. Um, maybe we don't practice our nutrition. Um, and those are things that I think, you know, in order to have a successful or a, a great experience in a race, regardless of the distance, we have to do those things. Um, you know, I'm trying to balance out, you know, my training with my work schedule and, you know, the way things kind of worked out this year is that I got into, you know, New York City, um, after I had already signed up for a couple of races and, um, and a couple of events. And so I've got these big, uh, bike, uh, races that are coming up, you know, uh, 50 K mountain bike race three weeks before New York, and then a hundred mile gravel ride two weeks before New York. And so I'm training for both of those events. I haven't even been on the mountain bike, you know, yet, um, this year, um, 
been riding, um, have had some good experiences on the bike and have had some bad experience with the heat here. It's just, you know, going out and riding, you know, in the middle of the afternoon or going out and even if you start in the morning and you're riding, you know, four or five hours, you know, the heat will affect, you know, uh, has affected my performance. And so trying to balance that with, you know, trying to at least ride three, four days a week and then run, you know, three days a week is trying to balance all that out. And, uh, so, you know, we all have these challenges. I think if I had to do it all over again, I probably wouldn't be doing them quite so close, but that's the way it kind of presented itself. And that's why I'm not going out for a specific goal. It's just to get to the finish, enjoy, uh, the experience, both, you know, on my mountain bike and, and, uh, gravel rides, which will be in Bentonville, Arkansas. So it's a brand new location for me that I've never visited. I hear it's an incredible, uh, small town, very bike friendly. It's a huge, uh, you know, sort of kind of like a bike festival for the week. So that'll be a great experience there. And then, you know, New York, as I said, that'll be, a, uh, I'm expecting that to be a great experience. And so, you know, we all have these challenges, but trying to balance all that out is, is, you know, can be difficult. So give yourself some grace. Um, you know, try to follow the training program as much as you can. You know, even currently right now, I did a run yesterday morning. I did, you know, 14 miles. And at the end of it, I got a little bit of a, uh, let's call it a niggle, but I get a, a little bit of, of pain right at the base of the ankle. And so now I'm debating, you know, should I run tomorrow? Should I, you know, skip it? Should I be on the bike instead? Should I skip a couple days and sort of trying to balance all that out? It's like, is that going to put me behind? And then, you know, once again, mentally kind of talk myself down and off the ledge of worrying of, of you know, what that training is going to look like and how that race is going to go and just trust that, you know, it's going to heal a day or two off of running is not going, is not the end of the world. And, um, so I think yeah, I, I shared that all with you because I think it's something that I think we all, um, you know, kind of go through at different points, uh, regardless of whatever race you're training for. So with that all said, just, you know, I, I hope you guys enjoyed the episode and uh, continue tuning in, you know, even if it's going to be infrequent, just keep subscribing. That way you'll get that notification when the new episode drops. And in the meantime, keep running, keep riding and keep believing in yourself. So do you have a story or know someone with a story that can inspire, motivate, or even empower others? Email me at podcast at bigpeachrunningco.com. I want to share your story. Don't forget to connect with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share it with others.